What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. It is crossover Wednesday here on the Locked on Network because we got Thursday night football tomorrow. So I'm going to sit down with Kevin and Locked on Ravens and talk a little Dolphins and Ravens football. Let's dig in. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Your host here on Locked On Dolphins. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Dolphins podcast. Listen, of the day, getting your fix, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's the unofficial community center of communities everywhere. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Today on the show, uh, the conversation with Kevin's a good one. Uh, really enjoyed sitting down with Kevin Locked on Dolphins or Ravens and uh, kind of working through some of the dynamics that are at play. Obviously, everybody knows what it's been like when these two teams have played each other the last couple of times. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic we're going to get a good effort. And you never know on any given Sunday. I mean, Thursday, I guess, technically this week. Baltimore needed an NFL record field goal to beat Detroit this year. So you just you never know when things are going to get weird, right? And I know everybody uh, in this fan base is down on, on the team. Uh, and that's never more apparent than uh, I watched the old 22 yesterday. I try to have some positive observations about a couple of guys on the team, like Elijah Campbell, the guy they picked up off the waivers from the jets uh, to start the season. He's like been a really good special teams player for Miami. Everybody's like, whoop you do Kyle. If Chris Greer could find anything as good as he'd find gunners, the dolphins would be good. Uh, whoopee. Uh, and even Josh Reynolds got cut yesterday, wide receiver from the Titans. He's on the waiver wire. I said, hey, might as well. Why would anybody ever come here? Like, guys, come on. This is not the last football season in the history of football seasons. We got to pick ourselves up here. We got to ride this thing out because we are going to get to the offseason and some things are going to change. And hopefully some of these narratives, there can be a fresh perspective. Never mind at the end of the day, the Dolphins are going to be number one in salary cap spending, which is going to allow you to convince some guys to come live in this gorgeous weather down here if you're paying them. Now, would you like these guys to naturally want to be with the Dolphins? Sure. Maybe some of them do. Who knows? All I know is... Dolphins got a win on Sunday. We got two games in five days. We're going to have an opportunity to potentially, just say potentially, try to get an upset win. I think the defense has played their best football over the last two weeks. And it's exciting to see uh, some guys really turn it on. Uh, I thought this just from film observations this past week, Holland is a stud. Javon Holland is going to be such a stud for this Dolphins team. Brandon Jones, it's been exciting to see him grow into more of a full-time role. 
they've effectively marginalized Eric Rowe this season because those two guys, and they're, they're at a point where they're playing well. I think Byron Jones is continuing to play really good football. Xavier Howard's obviously highly talented. I think he's been a little bit more high variance this year. And I, I'm just kind of going through guys starting on the defense that I had some film observations on based off the game yesterday. Jerome Baker uh, had a better football game against Houston. He'll be challenged big time in this game against uh, Baltimore. I think the defensive line does have plenty of good guys who can control the line of scrimmage. Agba had another great game. Phillips had a very good game. Wilkins had a very good game. I think Wilkins, you keep him out of the A-gaps, he's going to be just fine. He naturally sees a couple more double teams in there. Robert Hunt on the offensive side of the ball is an objectively good offensive lineman. He's a good offense. The Dolphins do have one good offensive line, and his name is Robert Hunt. And he is getting better every single week. And I joke with a friend of mine, uh, now that he's kind of settled in and you're seeing him play uh, better and he's continuing to improve, I'm sure this is the week now that they're going to kick him outside to tackle. <laughs> now, now that he's seemingly settled into guard, we'll see. Um, but he played his best game uh, this past week. And uh, Ross Blacklock's no slouch for a guy on the other side of the ball for Houston. Mike Kosecki, you know, feed him 10 targets a game. Jalen Waddle, feed him 12 targets a game. Miles Gaskin out of the backfield. I think he could be good in the James White type role. I don't know if you guys are too familiar with James White uh, with the Patriots and what his usage looked like, but like effectively had like five carries a game, but he had like six catches out of the backfield and he could do some really nice stuff with that. Like that is the longer this season goes. And I'm more, I see Miles have success in space, catching the football, uh, making the first guy miss in space when he's getting the ball quickly. That's the role for Miles that I think he can be a slam dunk in. But that means you probably need two primary ball carriers in front. And that's fine. Let's go out and get them. That's not going to be a hard group to upgrade. You just have to commit yourself mentally to go do it. We'll see what the quarterback situation looks like. Um, Ian Rappaport went on NFL Network this morning and said that uh, there's optimism, uh, that, that he's throwing better, Tua Tungvalo is throwing better this week. We'll see. It's probably going to be a game-time decision on Thursday night. So just be mentally prepared to see Jacoby. And if Tua plays, it's icing on the cake. We get to evaluate him against the Ravens' defense. Plenty to be interested in. Maybe not excited about, maybe not getting irrationally uh, avid about, which I was, I know I was guilty of last year when Miami pushed the record to eight and four or whatever it was with four, four games left. I was a fanatic. I was a fiend. Not going to have that opportunity this year. But the, in, invest yourself in these individual player storylines. And I hope it can provide you with the enjoyment that you need to make the most of the second half of this, this season's schedule. Dolphins fans, listen up. There's an incredible app for everyone who buys gas. It's called get upside. Listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas. Every time they fill up, just download the free get upside app in the app store, or Google play right now and use promo code touchdown and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill. That's up to 50 cents 
cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot are saving as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. There's no catch. Cash can get added right to your account, and you can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. We're going to transition over into Crossover Wednesday. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy the conversation with Locked on Ravens. Let's flip gears. It is Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked on Podcast Network with Locked on Ravens and Locked on Dolphins. Kevin Ostracker, Locked on Ravens. Here with Kyle Krabs of Locked on Dolphins with the Ravens and the Dolphins playing on Thursday. We had to get the crossover in a day early here on the network. Kyle, this game, Baltimore's fourth primetime matchup of the year. The Dolphins obviously mm-hmm. going through a bit of a disappointing stretch. The Ravens 6-2 and two at the top of the AFC North. How are you doing today? I'll tell you what, crossover Wednesday doesn't quite have the same ring to it as crossover Thursday, but that's okay. You know, We don't have to wait any extra days to get our football game in this weekend. And, uh, things are going well. We've got our first victory Monday in about seven weeks uh, with the Dolphins. So that's a, a nice refreshing change versus what has just been uh, a disaster season. And obviously, uh, Dolphins fans and Ravens fans are well aware of the track record when these two teams have played each other in recent years. So maybe this is, I mean, they played Buffalo tough for a half uh, the week prior to the Houston game. Our defense gave their best effort. So Maybe this is going to be the build to a competitive game. I'm sure Lamar obviously coming home is going to be real juiced up and ready to go too. So uh, some storylines to watch at the very least. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, you mentioned the recent history between these two teams, Baltimore outscoring Miami 137 to 16 over the last three meetings. Baltimore's won eight of the last nine. But Kyle, I think we have to start off with the quarterback situation in Miami right mm-hmm. now is Tua Tagvailoa, it's been limited throughout the week so far. If he's not able to go, it'll be Jacoby Brissett. At this point, Kyle, which quarterback would you feel more confident in beating the Ravens with, with Tua being a little bit banged up and Jacoby Brissett waiting in the wings? Well, it's odd because the justification for not playing Tua, but yet dressing him to be the backup is he can't push the ball down the field. Like he doesn't have like five pass attempts that have gone beyond 25 air yards downfield throughout the course of this season anyway. And he supposedly injured that middle finger on his throwing hand in the second quarter against Buffalo and then went on late in the game to complete the longest air yards completion of his career to Mike Isecki. So I don't really know what the heck's going on uh, as far as the dynamics are at play here. I would say the style of play of the offense is better suited to Tua Tungvaloa. And I think his decision-making process, his quick trigger, his footwork, those are things with a shaky offensive line let's just call it that and be nice uh you can make quicker decisions uh the give and take there of course is if the defense is going to cap those routes and really crowd the line of scrimmage can you extend plays with your legs get outside the pocket or step up into the pocket and then find receivers so i think too with his accuracy his decision making and his, his short area quickness does give the dolphins offense the best chance to survive the shaky offensive line play uh, we'll see if they end up playing Jacoby Brissett, you'll know pretty early on based on the plays that they're calling. You know, if it was a two, a game plan and they expected him to play, you're going to see a lot of play action, a lot of RPOs. If it's Jacoby Brissett, I think you'll see a little bit more empty traditional drop back style uh, passing concepts. 
Yeah, and regardless of which quarterback is back there for Miami on Thursday, you mentioned that offensive line. Kyle, just what is going on in Miami right now with that offensive line? It just has not been a good unit this year. And it seems like that, you know, they have talent on the line. You know, they invested a high mm-hmm. pick in Liam Eikenberg. They have Robert Hunt and a couple others. But it just it just hasn't been a good unit. So what do you attribute to the really, really slow start this unit has had this year? A developing quarterback with developing parts in the offensive line and a developing offensive line coach and developing offensive coordinators. You know, they're offensive coordinators. This is their third and fourth offensive coordinators in three years under Brian Flores. Co-offensive coordinators. Very unique situation. Uh, The offensive line coach is their fourth offensive line coach in three years under Brian Flores. And Coach Lem is a first-time offensive line coach working with – they had seven guys on the roster at the start of the season that were first, second, or third-year players. And none had more than 16 career starts uh, out of that group of guys. So very young, very inexperienced. Uh, I would say if you're looking for a highlight on this line, Robert Hunt, uh, right guard who was drafted in the top 40 in the 2020 draft. They've kicked him inside to play guard this year after playing tackle in 2020. He's been very good, uh, but he's on an island by himself. And he gets lost a little bit because the guy next to him, Jesse Davis, uh, is one of three Dolphins players on this offensive line that are tied for the most pressures conceded in the NFL, along with Austin Jackson, who did not play week one against New England and is still somehow at the top of the charts. And Liam Eikenberg, who I at least am willing to give them a little bit of him a little bit of flexibility because Miami drafted him. He was a career left tackle and they converted him to right tackle to start minicamp. And then Solomon Kinley showed up overweight at training camp. So they moved him inside the left guard uh, to try and cross train him there. And then he was back to right tackle. Then Austin Jackson got COVID and couldn't play week one. So then he plays left tackle. Then he's back to right tackle. And three weeks later, they insert him at left tackle. And it's like, guys, this is not how you're going to develop a starting offensive lineman. You just got to let the guy get some reps. So uh, I'm at least willing to be a little bit more patient with Lee Meikenberg. But yeah, this, they, they bungle just about everything for a develop, uh, development perspective on this offensive line. And the Ravens going through it a bit with their tackle situation as well, having Alejandro Villanueva move from the left side to the right side. Then Ronnie Stanley gets injured again. You know, he's back from the right side to the left side, but it's a lot different with a young player like Liam Eikenberg, who you, I agree, you just have to get him snaps of one position, but not keep moving him, you know, week in and week out. But Kyle, this Dolphins offense does have some weapons on it. You mentioned Mike Siki and Jalen Waddle there. High invested first round pick has also showed some flashes as well. But who are some other underrated pass catching weapons that Tua has to throw the football to that you could be looking out for on Thursday? Yeah, well, we'll see if Devontae Parker's able to play. He's battling his annual hamstring issue that seems to cost him four games every year. Um, and he's missed more time than that this season. Um, Mac Hollins is a career special teams guy, but he has taken at least some positive steps and can be a reliable possession type receiver. We'll see if Preston Williams is going to play. He's been inactive the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, it was because of disciplinary reasons. Apparently this past week, they elevated a guy, Kirk Merritt, off the practice squad because they wanted to get him special teams reps, which Preston Williams can't do. So it's going to be the Mike Isecki, Jalen Waddle, and Miles Gaskin show as far as catching is. You know, Gaskin out of the backfield, they do go empty and put him out wide. They, they like to push a vertical route from the slot and have him fold underneath and try and get some run after catch opportunities uh, when they're looking for that man zone indicator. So uh, I think those three guys, unless Devontae Parker suits up for this game, which I'd probably be surprised because he didn't play on, on Sunday and it's a short week, uh, are where you're going to see the vast majority of the passing offense go. You talk about Devontae Parker and the yearly hamstring. Well, Sammy Watkins in Baltimore has been known for some of his injury proneness over his career, and he's dealing with an injury of his own, potentially able to play on Thursday, but we'll see, just like with Parker in Miami. But 
Kyle, moving on to the defense, the, the Dolphins do have some talent, but what, what would you classify some of the strengths and weaknesses of the unit? I think they are very uh, effective up front with controlling the line of scrimmage. They are a gap control defense. They don't ask their guys to do a lot of penetration. When they get into third downs, it's a lot of schemed pressures and twists and stunts in games. So it's not like they're going to have a lot of success with organic rush, bringing three or four guys, having everybody just penetrate a gap. And I don't think that's going to be the game plan for against Lamar Jackson anyway. I think they're going to try to box the pocket, contain rush, uh, see if they can get some free runners with the secondary. They, they've got two young safeties in Brandon Jones and Javon Holland uh, who are really playing at a high level right now. They're one of the few bright spots. Uh, the Dolphins got Jerome Baker, the, the linebacker that got a big contract extension this past offseason after a career year last year. Uh, back against Houston. He's not been quite the same, but I think they have probably a little bit too much on his plate when you think about uh, Kyle Van Noy departed in the offseason and they replaced him with a rookie in Jalen Phillips and Shaq Lawson left in the offseason. Uh, Jerome Baker's kind of the guy that, hey, we, we want to keep two linebackers on the field and run nickel. You're going to go here, you're going to go here, you're going to go all over the place. And I think sometimes that puts him in positions that he plays where the team needs him to, but not necessarily where he's best suited. And then if, if, Xavier Howard shows up to play and is fired up to play on primetime. He's obviously the, the star of the show. He's been a little erratic this year. He's given up some touchdowns and, and not played anywhere near the standard that he set last year. So uh, that, that's kind of some of the prominent guys and trends with this Dolphins defense to keep an eye for. Yeah, and I, I think part of it, you know, with a Lamar Jackson that offense, you never know what you're going to get, but you do know you mm -hmm. have to play disciplined football on the defensive side of the ball, contain your gaps. And now with the Ravens passing game being really good this season, it only adds another element that really has improved. But Kyle, with the coaching staff, you mentioned a bit about the offensive coordinator, the offensive line coach, obviously Brian Flores, the head man there. How impressed or not have you been with the entire Dolphins coaching staff this year based off what you were expecting from this team? almost zero, uh, for being honest, you know, they're very high expectations. Uh, the team overachieved in each of the first two years, they were getting UDFAs and guys off the waiver wire. And they, these, they were developing these guys and bringing these guys along quite well. Uh, and then you, they have, it's like hiring teeth, trying to find an offensive coordinator, come in and, and, and run the offense. They seem like they alienated Chan Gailey. Uh, Chan Gailey was the OC last year and said over the course of the summer, he found out with all of us on TV uh, when the Dolphins made a quarterback change and he wasn't a part of that decision-making process or informed of it ahead of time. Uh, so I, I don't know if for, perhaps there's kind of a, a scarlet letter here with, with that job or not. With obviously they've been churning through guys. Um, but even like Marion Hobby's the defensive line coach. He left this offseason to take the exact same job somewhere else. Not promotion, just left. And there, there's kind of some whispers that Coach Flores is pretty tough on his assistants. And you look at the staff that he's got in year three, and it's a bunch of younger guys, a bunch of guys from the college ranks. It's like, okay, like kind of the writing's on the wall here that something's a foul and something's a miss. And I think the Dolphins on the field are really paying the price for that. And as you look to project this team forward, I think that's one of the big red flags about potentially staying the course is – what's going to change this offseason that's going to get you to get all these hires right that you seem to miss on and had to dip into the youth pool to fill vacancies this past year? And I don't, I don't really have that answer. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins are able to respond this offseason and just what they'll be able to do with their coaching staff. But, you know, maybe Flores is the guy for the job. Maybe he's not. But I think even in the second half of the year, we'll find out a lot about the Miami Dolphins for sure. But we're going to head into our mm -hmm. final break. When we get back, we're going to flip things. And Kyle's going to be asking me questions about the Ravens. So stay tuned. And we'll be right back.
Got to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all their bars. Needless to say, they are absolutely positively delicious, and they're healthy for you with less than 200 calories per bar. So whether you're looking for a meal replacement, post-workout meal, midnight snack, you name it, Built Bar can be it. And right now you can visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. And we are back on a crossover Wednesday with Locked on Dolphins and Locked on Ravens. Get a chance to put Kevin under the gun here a little bit and, and grill him on this Baltimore Ravens team and uh, Kevin, I think the first thing that I have to ask you is Lamar Jackson, obviously. Very familiar with the South Florida area, and he's getting a chance to come home. And he kick-started his MVP campaign in 2019 with an excellent performance against the Dolphins uh, in week one of that year. Uh, what has been the biggest change for Lamar since Miami last saw him in 2019 to where he is at now at the midway point in 2021? Yeah, Kyle, I think growth is the big word, and, and it's just in, in multiple areas where he was expected to take such a huge leap from year three to year four, and we're now seeing him just look a lot calmer in the pocket. He looks more poised in the pocket, and I know that all the narratives surrounding him have been, oh, he can't, he can't come from behind, and he can't throw the ball, and if you stop the run, the Ravens lose, and you know, because they can't throw, but all those narratives, they were kind of busted long before, but he's shown this year, whether it's the the comeback win against Indianapolis or Minnesota or Kansas city. He just knows how to lead a football team. And not that he didn't know that before, but I think what we saw in week one of 2019 against Miami was, you know, pure, there's just domination flat out. But at the same time throughout that season, the Ravens never really were tested a ton. They went through a couple rough stretches, but they, they dominated most of their opponents this season. We've seen Lamar Jackson go through a lot of adversity on the football field, whether it has been tough starts, the Ravens are a slow starting team this season, but he's not relying as much on his legs. He trusts his arm. Now he can roll out, find the receivers. He's working with a better receiving core this year, which helps him with Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, and maybe Sammy Watkins for Thursday. But I do think that Jackson has just shown continuous growth, and that's been the biggest part of his game this year because, you know, he could have been content with that MVP, and all of a sudden he's just like, oh, look, I proved myself, we're done. But he is hungry, and he strives for greatness, and he's shown that so far through these first nine weeks. So, you know, you mentioned adversity, and I think about the injuries that Baltimore has taken on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, the departure of Orlando Brown Jr., this off straight to Kansas City as well. So, a lot of new pieces and and obviously the running back situation in which Dolphins fans had eyes for J.K. Dobbins and Baltimore grabbed them one pick before in the second round of that 2020 draft. And uh, a lot of upset and turnover from uh, what the depth chart was at the beginning of the year for Baltimore. So how have they best been able to rejuvenate the running game outside of Lamar Jackson and obviously the threat that he has and the decision-making process that he has at the mesh point to be able to add an extra gap in the run game with the threat of his legs to the outside. Oh yeah. It, it's been tough for sure. I mean, you mentioned it, the Ravens losing every yard carry touchdown from running backs on their 2020 roster. Mark Ingram was in Houston. Now he's in new Orleans, but, and then they lose Dobbins Edwards and justice Hill for the season. So they go out and this wasn't like it happened. Like, 
a month or two before the regular season starts. So you have time to sign guys and get them acclimated. This happened like 10 days a week before the regular season starts. They have to pivot super quickly. They sign Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell. And at the beginning, yeah, I think we saw just how important J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are to this Ravens team. And I know the running back position is a bit undervalued where once they hit a certain age, all of a sudden it's, you know, it's time to go. There's that running back age of 30. But, you know, you lose so much with Dobbins and Edwards and all of a sudden you have Le'Veon Bell and Freeman and Murray. And this isn't 2016, so they've lost a couple steps. But we saw, and I think I've seen at least in recent weeks, there's been growth from them. You know, the Vonzo Freeman started off slow. You mentioned the mesh point. There were a couple miscommunication errors just because they were learning. They were learning at a very rapid rate in a very short amount of time to start this season out. Murray, they kind of use in a Gus Edwards role. He's more of a power guy, north-south runner, can also catch some passes out of the backfield. Devonta Freeman's more of that third down back, but can also be used on first and second down, but he is a threat out of the backfield as a receiver. And then Le'Veon Bells kind of gets carries here and there. If, for example, in week seven against Cincinnati, Lamar Jackson averaged 7.3 yards per carry on the ground. The non-Lamar Jackson ball carriers averaged 2.3. So they really needed to get something going. And I think in week nine against Minnesota, they got it. They have guys averaging a couple yards per carry over maybe what it actually is on tape because Devonta Freeman has a long run at the beginning of the year. That kind of skews the numbers. But I think that now that they've been in the offense for a month or two, they're kind of getting their roles established. I think now what we're seeing is with Jackson, they're just getting more chemistry with him. And in the offense, they're being more comfortable within their roles. One of the dynamics that I really enjoyed about that 2019 offense was the depth of the tight end room and how much they used when Hayden Hurst was still in the building to go along with uh, Mark Andrews and then Nick Boyle, uh, who my wife actually went to school with. So that's a fun little connection that I have. I'll always root for Nick. She said he's a, he's a real nice guy. So um, what has the personnel usage looked like this year as far as 12 personnel do they dip into 13 are they more 22 than they are three tight ends you know how how are they making the most of obviously Rashad Bateman's come back in the last couple of weeks to give you a little extra juice in the passing game has that changed what you've seen from a personnel and formation standpoint for Baltimore at all you know, a little bit. I do think, you know, so Boyle hasn't even played this season. It's it's likely he's going to make his debut against Miami here in week 10. But with Boyle and even with Sammy Watkins out, we really haven't seen the Ravens offense at like full strength in terms of personnel usage. Mm-hmm. They have had Eric Tomlinson kind of playing a Nick Boyle role. So they will dip into three tight end sets. But it's not the same without Boyle and Hayden Hurst, who's not in Baltimore anymore. He's in Atlanta. So they will use it. They also like to use Patrick Ricard. They they don't use him in line, though. They use him as, as like a traditional fullback. They like to use motion at the line as well. They'll motion him across the field. Even with like jet sweeps at Evan DuVernay, they'll have him in there. But they tend to like to go heavy, especially in third and short situations. And I mean, third and short, which team does it? But I think overall, with Sammy Watkins back in the fold, we will see a lot more three-receiver sets, maybe even some four-receiver sets because Baltimore's wide receiver room is just so deep this year. They've used Evan DuVernay a lot in that role. James Prochet also, he's been up and down with his snap usage. But I think that in this game against Miami, if we see Baltimore get out to a big lead, they'll start just trying, especially in the second half, to play ball control offense, which in turn will probably have them using more three tight end sets. Maybe they'll go two and have 
Ricard in there as well. Because Ricard is their Swiss Army knife. You know, he, he had a huge game against Minnesota, well, a huge drive against Minnesota. So I think that with Boyle back, with Watkins back, we'll start to really see what this offense likes to do because they've showed hints of it, but we haven't actually seen it with everybody healthy. So on the defensive side of the ball, uh, obviously Odafe Owe has been a nice uh, addition amid the loss of Matt Judon in free agency to the New England Patriots this past offseason. What other new faces uh, in this Baltimore Ravens defense? Obviously, there's uh, some changes in the secondary with Marcus Peters going down before the start of the season as well. So uh, what are some of the other new faces that Miami needs to be aware of that have been playing at a high level thus far this season? Yeah, well, it's funny you say that, Kyle, because for the Ravens offense, they added a bunch of new faces. But for the defense, you mentioned Adafi Owe, they really didn't add a ton. Justin Houston was their big addition, the outside linebacker. He has played a lot, and he's been he's been great as a veteran presence for guys like Owe and, and Tyus Bowser and some of those players. But they didn't really go out and add a ton of new faces outside of the draft and Justin Houston. They lost Matthew Judon. They lost Yanni Kingakwe. They decided to draft Owe and Dalen Hayes out of Notre Dame to replace those two, and Hayes is on injured reserve, so he hasn't played in a, uh, multiple, multiple weeks. But now you mentioned with Marcus Peters going down, Anthony Averett, who is a fourth-year corner, has stepped up to the plate. Outside of Indianapolis, has had a very strong season overall. He's in a contract year, so he's earning himself a little bit of money this season. Deshaun Elliott goes down last week. He tore his pec and his bicep and played through it somehow, you know, ended up having to leave the game, but... He's a tough guy. The Ravens will have to lean on a rookie, it seems like, for now, in Brandon Stevens out of SMU, who was a running back at UCLA and then transferred. So he's had a journey in terms of positions, was a corner at SMU. So he's going to be, I think, their main guy. They'll also try to rotate in Jimmy Smith at safety, who they like to use more as a hybrid now instead of just a pure corner. Ardarius Washington is a safety, but they like to use him, I think, as a slot guy. I think they... Don't love his long speed, so they they view him more as a slot. So maybe Geno Stone is a player who steps up and plays a bigger role out of Iowa, a second-year guy for them. So they, they didn't necessarily add a ton of new faces. They relied on the jumps of players, like Patrick Queen, which so far has been a very, very mixed bag. He struggled to start the season quite a bit, has moved into a new role, and ultimately now is playing better. But that's because of Josh Bynes, who was their midseason, or I guess before the year edition, was cut from Carolina. The Ravens bring him back for his third stint. He's inserted in the starting lineup, and he's, he's playing like he's 23 again. He, he looks fast. He looks spry, energetic, and has really provided a veteran presence. So I think out of everybody, you, you mentioned Owe, who's played great. He's kind of disappeared over the last few weeks, though. Josh Bynes has been the savior of this Ravens defense because they've struggled in some areas, but Bynes has kind of brought them back. And uh, there's no shortage, clearly, with the last 20-something minutes of interesting storylines, despite the fact that you've got teams on different ends of the spectrum here with Baltimore coming in, looking to maintain a lead in the AFC North, and Miami trying to climb out of the basement, uh, surprisingly competing with the New York Jets down there at the bottom of the AFC East. That is going to do it for this crossover Wednesday edition on the Locked On Network with Locked On Ravens and Locked On Dolphins. We thank you all for listening and make sure you stay plugged into your respective shows, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it here on the Locked On Network. Thanks for listening.